Welcome to For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30 a.m. on BFF.FM or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about a new Merge Records band from Melbourne, Australia called Twerps and their second official full-length, Range Anxiety. We're just going to start off with my favorite track off this album, which is called Back to You. may not be the first track but i think it is a good introduction to what i'd consider kind of the shaggy dog appeal of this album and i really one of the things that's kind of distinctive is their use of this keyboard sound and i think we've determined that it is a keyboard and not a recorder or, or melodica or some sort of wind instrument but the way they play it just really feels very kind of breathy and natural and I think there's a lot of cases where I asked myself and, you know, now I feel a little bit disappointed that we looked it up and found out that it was a keyboard because I enjoyed that it's sonic <laughs> ambiguity and it felt very kind of rough and homemade in a way that was really charming. At the same time, really self-assured, I think, as musicians and gives me pretty strong 90s flashbacks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Speaking of 90s flashbacks, people who remember the sound of Flying Nun Records will immediately hear how referential this is to The Clean, for example, which is the seminal New Zealand band. And I'm a person who really likes that sound. So in fact, when I was in Christchurch, I tried to visit the home of Flying Nun, but it was actually just an office and it was closed because it was the weekend. But the relaxed joyfulness of the keyboard or melodica, whatever it is, I mean, I guess we did determine it was keyboard, but I, I still think it feels like a melodica. <laughs> anyway, it's it's what I really like about that track, and it's unfortunate that they only use it on a couple of the tracks. It's unfortunate, but I, I think they do, where they use it, it's really appreciated. I think another thing I, I really appreciate on this track in particular is that they use the backing vocals, and I think there's this really simple chorus in this song, which just is, repeats the same lyrics over and over again. It all keeps coming back to you, and they just over and over again sing that, but there's there's this male backing vocal that just adds this incredible harmonic richness to what otherwise would be pretty simple and I think makes it a lot more satisfying. And I think that's uh, true of a lot of the better tracks on this album is that they have this kind of poppiness to them and this apparent simplicity and then you dig further and there are these hidden layers that may become revealed on further listening and that's definitely true of this first song, I Don't Mind. Save the day. 
technically that's actually the second track on the album with the first track being this instrumental overture and i think having that overture followed by a fairly down tempo song is really odd opening for what's otherwise a really poppy album yeah and you talked about the organic feeling of the keyboard and i think the guitar on this track has a very organic feel to it as well and then as you mentioned there was the instrumental overture that starts the record and that's got some intentionally retro scratching kind of like it's being played through an old record player so i think they're intentionally creating kind of a sunny 70s endless summer sort of vibe and it goes along with these lyrics that invoke kind of a slacker persona as well and i'll point this out as we go along but most of the lyrics here are from the perspective of someone who's just kind of waiting for the other person to act and the anxiety about being somewhat ineffectual i think is where the title range anxiety is coming from it's like you're paralyzed by your inaction yeah i I think it's interesting you talk about the warmth on this track because uh, one of the things i realized after several listens in and talking about that sort of depth that reveals itself is that something that you know now i don't realize how i didn't hear it but that's always the best stuff is that there's this menacing and super artificial kind of synth tone we talked about how the keyboards are really emulating sort of traditional wind instruments and here there's this synth that's just kind of and you kind of hear it there pretty prominent in that clip and i think that along with another thing that i noticed which is that i do a lot of listening to these albums while i'm on my bicycle and for safety i do that in one ear because uh, I want to have, at least have one ear to hear traffic so I don't die. But one of the things that I miss is, it, you know, stereo features of the the uh, tracks. And in this case, I was listening to this and it sounds like there's three different guitar lines. One is very much in the left ear, one's in the right ear, one's kind of right in the middle. And I think that sort of having multiple guitar lines and using the stereo separation, there's, again, there's that, that complexity of that the anxiety of that kind of menacing synth tone and i think it's it's nice that it adds that shading onto what's otherwise kind of a warm slacker soundtrack and lets you know maybe we're not celebrating that and i think turns it into something a lot more interesting yeah i think that kind of nervy anxious background line is is even more evident on the guitar line that's in the back of this next track cheap education has an issue that a few of them have which is that you're waiting for that hooky chorus that never actually comes and i think my biggest criticism of the album overall is that there are 12 songs 12 real songs here and there are maybe five or six ones that i really love and i think they needed to do a lot more editing because the whole thing is only 41 minutes but i feel like there's a lot of filler here and the tracks that we aren't playing at all are the ones that 
we couldn't really think of anything to say about. And this one was more borderline for me. Yeah. I think this one was not really a borderline track for me. I share your kind of assessment of the album, but I felt like this was one that I found pretty charming. And it, it for me, it has this really propulsive guitar work and it's this really energetic song. And I like that it's this really energetic song about kind of abandoning agency there's this lyric we're pitching picking nature over nurture this idea of like well you are how you're born and then there's this super catchy chorus that's also completely passive that's i'll wait for your words to become positive i'll wait for your words to become negative i just and i like that contrast between the peppiness of the music and just this really negative downer of the lyrics and it's just this idea of someone who has a lot of energy, but just no will to focus it into anything. And thankfully the album does have some, or the band rather has some empathy because they're able to explore the other side of that in this next track, Stranger. vocalist here julia mcfarlane has such a lovely charming voice and i like her australian accent a lot and i really wish she sung on more of the songs for me the first the best tracks on this record are the ones that have either her vocals or the keyboards and i feel like that's because the songs seem to need that kind of distinctive high-pitched melody line whatever the source of it is and the ones that lack that kind of feel very similar to every other jangle pop all-male four-piece that i can think of yeah and it's interesting I, i from looking at the lineup i think she does also play keyboards and she only sings on maybe three of these songs, but it is so nice, both sonically, it's a refreshing counterpoint, but then also that they're able to get this different perspective, this different viewpoint. And I just, for me, I think it was more interesting to hear this woman complaining about, not complaining, but singing to someone like, hey, come on, get your act together and tell me what's <laughs> up. Like, you need to, you need to move and act. I'm ready for you to do that. Instead of hearing his perspective of like, I don't feel like acting or i feel like it's not in my nature to act i think yeah, hearing this guy oh, what, martin frawley it just seems to revel in an action and it gets a little old so I, th- I think this is the second single off the album and i think it is a good choice and a nice compliment to back to you 
Yeah, it's so catchy and fun. And I think it's worth mentioning that this has the most spirited drumming on the record. And in fact, it's the only one where I even notice the drums at all. And as I mentioned, it's one of only three tracks that uses this female vocalist. And another one is track seven, which is called Shoulders. This song just has this wonderful sweetness, and I think maybe I noticed a little more of the drumming than you did on this album. I think this this track particularly has this great jangly percussion, but I feel like so much of the middle of this album really suffers from kind of junk food music phenomenon, where it's really pleasant and pretty, and and then it just I don't feel like it leaves me satisfied or really much of an impact at all after the song is over. You know, the reason we wanted to talk about this album is because, as always at this time of year, we're deep in the weeds of doing our planning for the South by Southwest Music Festival in Austin, which happens mid-March. And this is the one of the, one of the bands that's been getting a lot of buzz and who is definitely on my list of wanting to make sure and see while we're there. But the feeling I get from this record is that there's a lot of potential here that hasn't yet been actualized. They've just recently got picked up by Merge Records, and that's a great label run by Mac McCon of Superchunk, and they tend to do a really good job of nurturing the bands they take on. So I'll look forward to seeing what they're doing next, but I'm with you. I felt like the lyrics as well kind of hint at a lot of big ideas without really getting us there, and they're kind of too vague, and I really wanted more specificity to understand what they were trying to get across. And I think the best example of that is this next song, Fern Murderers. I know that someday church bells are on their way. I hear them getting louder by the day. It's ringing in my bones like the old telephone I threw.
said my issue with the lyrics is that the song has got kind of a somber tone and it's talking about a woman who's here to stay and church bells, which are those wedding bells or are they like funeral for whom the bell tolls sort of bells. But what exactly is going on here is really unclear. And I do like the slow pace and I like the way the song ramps up and down in intensity throughout because I feel like that really helps to show their range. Yeah, I think there are part 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 of me really appreciates that there's that ambiguity that's kind of unsatisfying, but it does convey that idea of the anxiety of the album. But you know, I think this song, I, we do hear it, Bill. We hear those the drums come in during that section we heard, and yet, you know, I compare it to the songs at the start and end of the album, which is just so much more fleshed out. Mm-hmm. And here, it just feels like a sketch. And then, oh, let's add some drums to kind of give it depth, but it still just feels a little sketchy to me, and it's not quite enough. I mean, I think that there's, I think this is almost the worst case of that, thankfully. And as we hear on this other song, that I think, while not perfect, is a lot more fully formed, and that's simple feelings. has a lot more heft to it and i really like the energy of the guitars and the way the instrumentation kind of goes in loops i feel like it has a real sense of moving the song forward it's kind of cyclical i don't i don't know if i'm describing that right but you know it kind of comes around but at the same time it's like some of these other tracks i feel like it's setting you up for this hooky chorus that then never actually materializes yeah this song i think has such great intricate guitar work and i feel like there's a good momentum to it but and i think i have this if I have a problem as a music listener, that it's really my first instinct is just not to pay attention to the lyrics and just listen for the instruments, instrumentals. And on that level, this is a great song. I mean, I always pay attention to the lyrics, so I think it's good that we balance each other up. No, I, I, I think that's true. But And I, I'd like to think you're being a good influence and in that I'm trying harder to pay attention to the lyrics. And this is a song where even I say, said, okay, let's put aside my natural tendencies and listen for those lyrics. And it just... I just don't come away with anything. It's just that they're so kind of indistinct, just even the way they're mixed just feels very raw. So yeah, I just felt 
like I enjoy it's again that same kind of junk food phenomenon where I enjoy it and then at the end what, what did I just hear I don't know thankfully though at least the album does finish a lot stronger both I think lyrically and musically uh, and we'll hear that with this penultimate track Love at First Sight had a really valid critique of the vagueness in the lyrics in a lot of the songs and i appreciate that in this there's this really vivid picture painted of this infatuation and instead there's this ambiguity i think there's a lot more interesting where he switches from the third person to the second person where he's saying you know her love at first sight for her and i and then love at first sight for you and i which is i i found very weird and took me a while i think to come up with a theory of what i what's the deal with that very strange but i think as you listen to this song and he's sort of there's this infatuation he's going to go up and talk to this woman and then it i think becomes pretty clear that this guy's a loser who really doesn't have a chance (laughs) with this really stylish peruvian dj who wears louboutins Louboutins, yeah exactly so it, it ain't happening and so I, I like that it's taking this love at first sight, which is such a romanticized notion. And when he's saying love at first sight for you and I, it's almost this death knell that it's like, yep, I we have something good, but there's this love at first sight is going to be the end of whatever this current relationship is. And I just really enjoyed the inversion of that expectation of that cliche. That also provides a nice lead into the last track, Empty Road, where he's basically stalking someone. He's kind of following her down the sidewalk as she's stumbling and and she's not aware of it. And he's kind of like hiding behind cars. It's very creepy. And you could kind of take the perspective that these two tracks here at the end of the album show the story of story arc of, you know, this is what being an ineffectual slacker who's paralyzed by inaction gets you. You're just seeing someone walking away from you and, you know, metaphorically representing like anything that you might go after in life and you're just walking it watching it walk away because like you never took any steps to go after it yeah i it's it's possible to walk away with a fair bit of pessimism for this guy if these are stories based on his real life or how he feels about (laughs) the world but i think there's a reason for optimism musically and that is that you know in that final track you're talking about i there's sonically so much in common with the first track. I feel like there's just such a there's similar kind of pace, a similar tone, the similar scope where 
they're uh, almost the same length. I, I'm pretty sure they're in the same key. I don't have a perfect ear, but they sound very close, sort of sonically really similar guitar tone. And it, to me, it was like the opening of a door and then a closing of a door and that nice symmetry. And even if there's maybe some filler in the middle, that there's a great, that because of that symmetry, they are thinking about the structure of the album as an album. And that's, I think, a, a reason for optimism. And they're clearly super talented. And so I do look forward to seeing them live. I think they'll be great. And uh, San Francisco is fortunate. They, they will be playing Bottom of the Hill on March 30th. So if you're not with us at South by Southwest, you can go see them at Bottom of the Hill. For sure. So uh, let's go out with that final track, Empty Road. Thanks for listening. Stumbled down 